Hello, my friend. It's episode 369. I'm so glad to see you here. We have a really good episode planned out for you today. And by we, I mean me. And by good episode, I hope that you feel like every episode is a good episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. That's definitely my intention. And what really helps is when you guys follow me on Instagram at Leanne Vogel, and you just DM me and tell me about your life. And it just helps me understand what your needs are and where you need support. And also, for me to ask certain questions of of our guests. And so I hope you really enjoy today's episode. We're chatting about um, being unapologetically low carb, a lot to do with behavior change and reward mechanisms. You know, when you start to lose weight and then life just takes over, we're talking about that issue specifically and the components of all of that with sleep, relationships, accountability, Oh, it's good. It's good. It's not every day that when I finish an episode, I'll just like email some of my clients and be like, you need to listen to this right now. It's not coming out until like the summer. Um, Oftentimes I'm like three to six months ahead of my recording schedule because I just, I like to be prepared. I don't want to be surprised by anything crazy. So yeah, just a really great one. We're chatting with Allison Hull, DO, a practicing dual board certified adult internist and pediatrician as founder and CEO of well-being. Dr. Hall has been empowering patients, employees, and community organizations to optimize their health, prevent disease, and mitigate chronic conditions. As creator of an award-winning corporate wellness program, Dr. Hall is a visionary seeking to transform the culture of companies and the lives within them. Her background and expertise in human nutrition, coupled with her passion for behavior change, has created the foundation for Dr. Hall to effectively educate each member of the well-being tribe so they in turn can impact the lives around them. Most recently, Dr. Hall has become an associate professor with the University of South Florida to conduct research to better solidify not only the metabolic effects of low carbohydrate and ketogenic nutrition, but more importantly, how to adopt and sustain this nutritional lifelong practice. Oh, it's good stuff. So I will include links to Dr. Hall's website in the show notes today. Um, you can connect with her going by going to yourwellbeingtribe.com. And uh, let's get going with today's episode, yeah? Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel. You're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've created a free guide with tips on how to start keto and maintain your fat-fueled life. Grab it at healthfulpursuit.com slash free as a little thank you for listening to the show. Hey, Allison, how are you? I am wonderful, Leanne. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so glad that we finally get to have you on the show and that you're here and we're conversing. This is just fantastic. It is fantastic. And it was funny. I showed my dad last night. He was over and I was like, I showed him your cookbook. And I said, this is who I'm doing a podcast with. And he's like, oh, that's fantastic. So you have lived in our house for a little while, Miss Leanne. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I've always wanted to live in Tampa. So this is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Which that book is amazing. And I can only imagine how long that took. So side note on that. Oh oh my goodness. I don't know which book you have, but if it's the orange one, just like the keto diet, it should have taken me two years, but I got a call from my publisher after I'd started writing. It was, I was probably a month in he's like, can you have your book ready in three months? And I'm like, uh, no. And he's like, but if you do, it's going to be the biggest keto book. Like, can you have it ready in three months? I'm like, I guess. And this was the first book I ever written. And I regret saying, I guess, I mean, it worked (laughs) out in the end, but I nearly killed myself. So (laughs) it's, it's like an encyclopedia. You you did an amazing job. Very thorough. Thank you so much. And I I always find it interesting, you know, chatting with people like yourself, just how much stuff is in our brains when we really start getting into it and going back and forth. I mean, the brain is just fantastic. How much information we can hold. And when you're passionate about something, it just, I don't know, it just sticks. (laughs) I think that's the key. If you're passionate about it, it just, um, you can't get enough of it and you want to learn more and you become obsessed in a good way. So, and I think we're both slightly obsessed in a good way (laughs) about nutrition. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about, about yourself and your obsession and kind of how you got started in all of this. 
So yeah, um, I'm a dual board certified practicing pediatrician adult internist. But before I did that, my undergraduate degree was food science and human nutrition. And that was kind of always my kind of backup plan if I didn't go to medical school. But the beautiful thing is I'm, you know, obviously now embracing both. But um, yeah, it's kind of been a journey. I've always loved nutrition and the science of nutrition. And of course, what I learned in my undergrad at the University of Florida is light years away as far as what I teach and promote and research now. But that was kind of like the foundation. And then, you know, I went through four years of residency, started practicing in the outpatient world, um, simultaneously had my first child and come to find out my first child had a milk protein intolerance, um, failure to thrive and peeling back the layers with him and breastfeeding and food intolerances. He had a milk protein intolerance. And that led me to really start looking at food labels a lot differently because there's a lot of babies who also can't tolerate soy protein and even um, soy related fats. So that was like one component that kind of led me on this path of like, wow, what is in our food? Why are so many babies intolerant to milk protein? And then couple that with now practicing medicine and seeing in my office, how many patients are obese, diabetic, depressed, anxious, insulin resistance, you know, merely treading water every day in life and me thinking, huh, this low fat, low cholesterol phenomenon that I've been like, you know, taught and been teaching for however long is really not working. Uh, let me dig a little bit deeper and find out if there's a better approach. And actually, there was a book I read years ago called The Diabetes Solution by Dr. Brownstein. And he, um, he was in his 70s, a type one diabetic practicing internist. And it was like the first literature I was reading about the benefit of low carbohydrate nutrition to manage diabetes. And so that was kind of like the catalyst and that sent me on the path of, hmm, let me, let me think about teaching my patients to eat differently. And then of course, peeling back all those layers of where our, our, you know, our dietary guidelines came from, this food pyramid, why do we recommend what we recommend? And then recognizing, wow, this is really unscientifically sound and there's really no good, you know, sound research to support this. So that that was the catalyst. And then, you know, I've been practicing now for gosh, 13 years. And really the program that I created has been an evolution over the last five years. And here we are today. <laughs> Does that help? <laughs> yeah. When you speak about treading water, I was actually reading some literature last night, just randomly, you know, us nerds do this about, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it's an addiction, a depression and C-reactive protein in adults. And just talking about how, when we have inflammation, we have a, a larger propensity toward de depression and that they're seeing this link between high CRP, a, a great inflammation inflammatory marker and depression. And so it, it really is this treading water of when you get to that state, not only do you have inflammation, but then you have depression and your immune system's going haywire. And it can be challenging for somebody, maybe a woman listening today, that's like, I have all these things and I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm drowning. And, and is that kind of where you're seeing a lot of your clients coming from also? Oh my goodness. Yes. And that was really what really, you know, motivated me to create well-being. And, you know, I'd be in my office with my patients every day and, you know, counseling them on the importance of nutrition and sleep and exercise and mindfulness. And, you know, the person sitting in front of me, of course, they're like, they want it, they're craving it, they need it. But then what happens, they leave my office despite the desire and life takes over, the plate is over full and the wheels fall off and we just can't, we can't make it happen. And, and I also think it's really important that we approach this as a multidisciplinary approach. Like it's not just fix our diet. It is all of those other components, right? It is the sleep. It is the mindfulness. It is relationships and people need help and accountability and education and support. I mean, so many people want this and need this and crave this. They just are floundering out on their own to do so. Um, so yeah, so that's why I created wellbeing and, and we're doing the research that we're doing and, Honestly, it has been the most rewarding component of my practice of medicine because I finally have something that is healing people, transforming people, empowering people, and it's without any drugs, which is the best part. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
in these crazy times we're in, stress and anxiety are at an all-time high. You know, I wonder if everyone in every generation has said that. While there are many great natural supplements to support anxiety and stress, the one that's helped me the most is CBD oil. CBD has tons of other benefits as well, such as sleep support, clearing acne, reducing inflammation, and so much more. By now, everyone's heard of CBD oil. While some people swear by it, other people have not seen the results that they were hoping for. And this bums me out big time. That's where Eaton Hemp comes in. Their unfiltered USDA certified organic full spectrum CBD oil is minimally processed and infused in their own hemp seed oil, giving you the full entourage effect, maximum absorption, potency, effectiveness, which means results. Whether you place the tincture under your tongue or use the salve on sore muscles, that's my personal favorite, CBD can and should work for you. And if it's not, you're not using the right product. Not only does Eaton provide one of the cleanest CBD products on the market today, but they pride themselves on transparency. Eaton Hemp is farmer owned and strongly believes in whole plant nutrition. That's why they leave the CBD unfiltered so all the elements of the hemp plant can work in unison. Eaton Hemp is so confident in the results that their CBD will give you that they offer a full 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't satisfied with their product, they're going to refund you with no questions asked. As a special podcast only offer, you can save 25% on all Eaton Hemp products and still get your full money back guarantee. Head on over to eatonhemp.com slash keto diet. Use a code keto diet at checkout. Again, that's eatonhemp.com slash keto diet and use the code keto diet for 25% off. Oh, amen to that. I mean, yeah, completely. And to have that sort of practice, you know, for any practitioners listening to when you when you find something and you discover something through your passion of wanting to help people and it's actually working, there's that moment of like, whoa, whoa, this is actually whoa, this is actually helping people. <laughs> and that is just such an incredible blessing. And and you're so right. I think just looking at one area of things life really does take over. Like you said, they leave the office, they're empowered, they're ready to go. And then life and what you're, what you're speaking into is really sleep relationships, that accountability, that it's this whole, whole picture. And is that what your program does? Yeah, we, it's a, it's a very multidisciplinary approach and, and we actually start the whole program the first few weeks, we, we barely talk about nutrition and it's really the, the focus on the science of behavior change and creating goals and purpose. And that be the deeply rooted foundation of what's to come. The name of the program is well-being, a tribe planted with purpose. And that planted with purpose piece is, you know, if we as humans, if we have a, a reason, a deeply rooted reason, especially if that reason, reason extends beyond ourselves, we are capable of absolutely anything. So we really try to create that foundation, that psychology of the reason why, and let that be the driving force. And then we couple that with the science of behavior change and creating immediate extrinsic reward mechanisms to then carry you over to the bridge of that intrinsic place where I'm literally just, you know, eating this way and sleeping this way and moving this way because I feel so much better doing so as opposed to I'm chasing a number on the scale or even chasing a lab value. I mean, I love it when my patient's labs improve, but at the end of the day, we can get to that intrinsic place where I just live this way because I thrive being this way. That's truly when the magic happens. Yes, I can completely relate to that personally. When I just started making decisions because I actually felt better, you know, it, it changes the game. And that switch is is so hard for people to. Do you notice they have like a tight grip on what do you mean I X Y Z couldn't don't need to go on my scale every day or weigh my food or or whatever those mechanisms you've put in place? What is that like? And what sorts of things are you seeing? people kind of hold with tight grips, not wanting to let go of. <laughs> So definitely the scale for sure. And and listen, I'm not opposed to using 
data as that immediate extrinsic reward mechanism to create that self-awareness and feedback and so forth. But once again, we don't want it to be the thing that we rely upon 24-7. And I also really want to make sure that we we don't equate our success with numbers alone. That's something else we really promote and teach in the program is the the, the kind of the skill of self-compassion. And what we've learned in the four to five years of doing well-being is, you know, we are our rate limiting factor. We are our worst critic. We beat ourselves up. And so many times people start a process, whether, you know, it is a change in diet or a fitness program and we mess up and then that's it. We berate ourselves. We throw in the towel. I'm a failure. I did it again. But learning self-compassion, like that is truly a skill set. So we really highlight, yes, let's use the data. Let's check our glucose. Let's check our ketones. We can certainly get on the scale once a week, but please don't put everything in that basket. It's a metric, but one of many. And then of course, different personality types, some are definitely more data driven. And so they love to see those numbers where some people are extrinsically motivated more so based on praise or, you know, leadership. And so we also have like a community um, private Facebook group for everybody going through the program. So it's a space of that cheerleading and support and accountability. And when when we connect um, buddies and teams, so you have that, that piece. So that's actually one of the things we start off in the beginning of the program is like, what motivates you? What is your extrinsic motivator? So we can kind of connect that to each behavior change to create that dopamine response, that reward mechanism to instill the habit that now we're eating a salad every day at lunchtime simply because we want to and we feel good and there's a reward mechanism as opposed to the white knuckling, I must be a slave to the scale and therefore eat the sacrificial salad. So yeah, so it really depends on the person and their goals, but we want everyone to learn that there's different reward mechanisms and and we want to help you find what is meaningful to you. But don't get me wrong. I love data. I love glucose. I love labs. I love that concrete evidence. I love that objective evidence to say what you're doing is working. But I also want them to be able to go throughout life and say, oh, I think I'm in a good place because I'm really feeling good at this moment. Yes, completely. And I think there's a component of clinical correlation also is like, you could see labs improve and things, but how's the person feeling? Are they, you know, are you completely going crazy working so hard at regulating, I don't know, pick glucose, for example, and your relationships are suffering and you're staying up late trying to manage things or work out or what is that quality of life? And is there clinical correlation to that adjustment? I think is, I think we we miss that as practitioners, definitely. And also as, as individuals, would you agree? Absolutely. And, you know, and we're, you're working with a demographic of, 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 patients, clients, and as am I of like these, you know, we want to make it right. We have these type A personalities and, and I don't want us to miss the boat as far as, okay, yeah, your labs are better. But once again, you're miserable in the process because you're beating yourself up. You're forgoing relationships because we're having to make sure we get every nook and cranny of, you know, the nutrition and the exercise. And it's finding that balance. It's finding a rhythm and it's finding forgiveness and grace. And no matter where we are in, in that, in that space of, you know, what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. So I think you and I probably deal with some similarities in, in demographics and, and, and personalities and what we're trying to achieve and us women, right? Oh, I mean, we've got a lot on our plates, right? We've got a lot of expectations, a lot of balls that we're trying to manage. And I think women, especially like we just, it's not about seeking perfection. It's about seeking health and longevity. That's what I want people to walk away with. Yeah, I think that I I remind myself of that often. I think we can really make an idol out of our health and, you know, we really need to check our hearts. Why am I doing this? What's important to me? Oh, right, 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 right. (laughs) I mean, I have to reel myself in at least once a week of like, why am I doing this? What's important to me? Because I think we just, we can get really distracted quite easily and go down the rabbit hole that we don't even need to or are interested in going down. So I can relate to that personally as well. And so when you set up your program, um, at what point did you start doing studies? And can you just kind of tell us about how that progression was and, and what you're doing there? Yeah. So let's see, the program's been in existence, like I said, four to five years, and we've been, you know, collecting our own aggregate data on the outcomes, of course. And so I've been, and 
part of the beauty is because a lot of the participants, the members are my patients. I have all those lab results. So I can compare pre and post and see the outcomes. So I have the data on our A1C results and lipid profiles. And then of course, just the biometric changes. So we've been looking at that since we started the program. As far as connecting with research for publication, um, gosh, it's been about a year and a half now. Um, about two years ago, I remember I was I was going for a run and I was listening to a podcast actually with Joe Rogan and Dom Diagostino. And of course, you know Dom, right? Most people in the ketogenic world know Dom Diagostino. Um, yeah. Do you know him, Leanne? Yeah. Okay. So of course, the majority of his research is on, on rats and of course, the benefits of ketosis as a metabolic therapy. And in, in the podcast, I was listening and Joe Rogan was like, you know, dude, when are you going to start doing research on humans? And um, he was like, hey, I would love to connect with the, you know, a clinician and, 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 and partner with someone in research. And I remember running and be like, mm, yep, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be that person, Dom. So fast forward, you know, uh, about maybe six months. And I had met Dom a couple of times at some speaking events um, here in the Tampa area, because he's, he's with USF. And that's actually where I did my residency program was University of South Florida. So I emailed him and said, Hey, you know, we met before, this is what I'm doing. I would love to partnership in, in some research opportunities with you. And he responded and he said, let's do it. And, um, and he has been a consultant for levels. And so it was a great opportunity to kind of look at CGM, continuous glucose monitoring, and utilizing that as a behavior modification tool, which is one of my obsessions is the science of behavior change. So we're looking at CGMs to modify behaviors to hopefully create better, not just metabolic outcomes, but even um, emotional and cognitive outcomes as well, which by the way, I actually just read an article. I'm digressing for a second, Leanne, but I love they referred to depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder as a neurometabolic disorder. And it was actually the first time that I've seen it in that context. And I like it was like fireworks works went off in my brain. And we can talk about that in a second here, but we're seeing tremendous outcomes actually in our research on depression, anxiety, and sleep quality um, with those going through the program. And I have to, you know, say that I think that's a, a side effect of a low carb ketogenic nutrition uh, and some of the other things that we teach within within the program. But yes, so we just finished our first study cohort a few months ago. And we're now in the midst of our second study cohort. And we're looking at, yes, the traditional metabolic outcomes as far as glucose and insulin, A1C lipid profiling. But we're also looking at uh, hunger hormones, satiety hormones like ghrelin and leptin and the incretin hormones like GLP-1 agonist, GIP, PYY, and some inflammatory markers like MCP-1. So we're looking at that. And then we're also looking at um, fatty liver disease, which we're seeing tremendous outcomes on that. And then depression, anxiety, and sleep quality. We're, we're using um, some evidence-based screening tools called the PHQ-9 for depression, and then the GAD-7 for anxiety, and then the Pittsburgh Sleep Quality Index Survey for the sleep quality and quantity. So we're looking, I mean, we're, we're looking at a number of outcomes. It's kind of a hefty um, project, but we're just trying to, you know, if we have these participants going through the study and we, we can obtain this information. We're just trying to get as much as we can. But um, yeah, so it just, it was me saying, hey, I, I really want to do some research. I think what Dom is doing is amazing. And so I took a leap of faith and just sent an email. That's how it all began. <laughs> Wow. I would love to be a fly on the wall looking at all that data. <laughs> that is fantastic. And that's so cool. Even too, that you guys were in a similar area. Like I know Dom is, is around that area and that's just incredible. Like that's so cool. And I can relate to the behavioral modification amazingness that CGM offers, you know, when I have clients and I really just stumbled upon CGM myself, thought it was kind of silly at first. I was like, why would I want to know that? But Levels was like, no, 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 let us send you one. We think you're going to like it. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And after about a week, I realized how incredibly powerful it can be for behavior modification. Like, speechless. It's fantastic. 
it, it, it is borderline obsessive, right? Um, <laughs> like I, I do have to take breaks from it from time to time. Cause otherwise I kind of get like a little, you know, overload with it, Same. but no, I mean, it is having that real time feedback on seeing how different foods affect you. It, it is such a great tool. And, and for people who don't eat low carb or ketogenic and they're like completely new to the game, like it is a phenomenal eye-opening tool because I have patients in my office all the time where I'm like, okay, so we really have to, you know, lessen the amount of fruit that we're consuming if we're trying to lower glucose and insulin resistance. And, you know, they look at me like I have 10 heads, like, what are you talking about? Like fruit is so healthy. Why would I ever forego fruit? And I'm like, well, why don't we check our glucose and find out? Um, we have, so it's really cool too. I work for a very large um, multidisciplinary um, medical group called Florida Medical Clinic. So I have physicians in all areas of medicine. And actually, we've had a few of the physicians um, be in the study, so which is fantastic. And so they get to see firsthand um, how that CGM works and the impact. And one of uh, my colleagues, he's a family practice physician, and he was like, oh, my goodness, I never knew an apple would do that to my blood glucose. My glucose rose 50 milligrams per deciliter from one apple. So, yeah, it breaks down a lot of the quota, you know, quota type like Oh yeah, it's a healthy food and it's it's good for you. Well, maybe for a growing child who's, you know, gonna go play two hours of soccer, but if we're trying to mitigate our glucose response and reduce insulin resistance, then we may not want to eat that apple that's gonna raise our glucose 50 points. So yes, it's a great eye opener. I've been on an iron boosting kick. About six months ago, I discovered my iron levels were dangerously low. Why? Well, because I like plants and I eat a lot of plants on my ketogenic diet. And when you do not combine vitamin C with plant-based iron foods, the iron cannot be absorbed. Now, vitamin C-based foods are kind of lacking in the ketogenic diet. It's not impossible to get enough, but it is a challenge. So I started supplementing with Paleo Valley Essential C, and in just three short months, I doubled my iron level. Extreme fatigue, weakness, fluttering heartbeat or shortness of breath, headache, dizziness or lightheadedness, cold hands and feet, inflammation of the tongue, brittle nails. These are all symptoms of low iron, and I had all of them. Sitting on the lower end of normal iron levels can deliver some of these symptoms and it's very unpleasant let me tell you coupled with the immune boosting component of vitamin c you really can't go wrong with this one-two punch in your ketogenic diet and why paleo valley essential c it's third-party lab tested as the most powerful 100 natural vitamin c product on the market today it contains not one but three of the most concentrated natural sources of vitamin c amla berry, camu camu berry, and unripe aceola cherry, the most potent source of natural vitamin C on earth, which is 120 times higher than that found in an orange. Each nutrient-packed serving delivers 750% your RDI of vitamin C, an amount meant to help you thrive, not just survive. Most other vitamin C supplements are derived from GMO corn and only contain one fraction of the vitamin, ascorbic acid. Paleo Valley Essential C Complex contains the entire spectrum with absolutely no synthetic vitamin C, just organic superfoods. Makes a huge difference. Head on over to paleovalley.com dot com, load up, grab a couple of bottles of vitamin C complex, whatever else that catches your eye. The superfood bars are amazing. If you need a recommendation, then enter the code keto at checkout to receive 15% off your first order. Again, that's paleovalley.com and the code keto for 15% off your first order. I love the idea of having medical leaders in studies for them to learn about how their bodies work so that they can bring that information to their clients. Like I, that just made me so happy. <laughs> so, so Leanne, I'm going to tell you one of the biggest struggles I have is in, in getting <laughs> the mainstream physicians that I work with to adopt and recommend a low carbohydrate nutrition. And so, you know, the, I am just, I, um, <laughs> I bombard them. I hustle them in a good way to try to educate and encourage because, you know, for myself going through medical school and residency, like, I mean, what I'm recommending now, I'm practically a heretic in, in the medical community. So it is so vital that 
that we encourage our physicians to to learn differently, experience it themselves, so they can be the ones to write, teach, and educate their patients. Because I'm going to tell you, it's going to take a very long time for the medical guidelines to change, for the nutrition guidelines to change. It's going to have to be a word of mouth, lead by example, bootstraps, you know, marching on the ground in the medical community, and then even just the patients themselves going out and leading and modeling and educating like what really we should be doing as a society, because it's going to take a long time for the food industry, for governmental policies, for the medical community to really embrace and encourage this. So I'm doing, I'm doing what I can, Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And I think too, for those listening who aren't doctors that don't have that sort of influence, I think we really do, you know, ever since adopting a low carb lifestyle back into what a, we 2014, I think. Oh my goodness. That feels like ages ago. Just being unapologetically low carb when I meet with doctors and they may not be in support of what I'm doing. I remember those first couple of years, I would say I'm on a keto diet and I'd have doctors tell me how dangerous it was and all these things. And just being unapologetically like knowing without doubt that what I was doing was best for my body. I think, you know, the education and probably why a lot of women are listening today is really having that confidence that what they're doing is best for them being well equipped. So when they are asked questions, they know how to answer them. And I'm sure you're developing that through your program of these people who are well equipped, unapologetically in control of their own health, going out there in the world and be like, I know that this is best for me because I've seen these results. I know what what's happening and what I need. It's just that's, that's how we make change. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I, I mean, I hear it all the time from patients, you know, they come to me when they find out I support and, and teach an, a ketogenic diet that their previous doctor was, you know, just thought that it was the worst thing possible for them. They're going to develop heart disease. And then even I do get, you know, colleagues in my, in my community who, you know, say the same thing. Oh, if you're going to do Dr. Hull's program, this is cardiologist, of course, in five years, you're going to come and see me for a heart cath because no doubt you're going to develop cardio vascular disease. So one of the things we really focus on in the program is actually understanding lipid profiling, um, the biology of lipid management, because I want these members of my program to be so well-educated that they can have an intelligent conversation with their, their healthcare provider. And quite honestly, they'll probably know more than the healthcare provider, because this is another area that what I was taught in medical school and what I'm reading, teaching, leading now, like most physicians they don't even know what an apolipoprotein B is. And that is really the target we should be looking at. They don't understand that there's a shift in LDL cholesterol with what's called CTEP, cholesterol transfer ester protein, when triglycerides are greater than 100. And when you lower those triglycerides with a low-carb ketogenic diet, there's a shift in that LDL cholesterol from VLDL over to LDL. So it's like a shift in presentation. It's not necessarily that your cholesterol is going up, but rather it's being presented differently. So there's a lot of science that I teach within the program because I want to empower these participants. I want them to understand their bodies. I want to understand, I want them to know what this diet is going to do to them. And then yes, they can be intelligent. They can be not, I don't want to use the word persuasive, but they can have an intelligent conversation with a provider with a family member, because of course, many family members are saying the same thing, right? Like, oh my gosh, what are you doing eating all that fat and cholesterol? You're going to kill yourself. And so no, let me explain why this is actually very beneficial. So I always say when people go through the program, they walk away with a, a minor degree in nutrition, biochemistry, and psychology. <laughs> That is so fantastic. Really equipping people to go out in the world and understand their bodies. Uh, I think we're really getting away from, you know, like in the 90s and early 2000s, you would just go on a program. You didn't care what it did. You just wanted to lose weight. And you were like, just give me the food, give me the boxes. I'm going to do this thing. And you could care less about what was happening in your body. I think we're starting to realize that that approach like doesn't work if we want to really truly take care of our health. And I love that there are programs like yours that are equipping like to be equipped, <laughs> to really understand why you're doing it, what you're doing, what's important, because then it makes it a lifelong understanding as opposed to I'm just doing this program for three months and then my life will be better. Clearly, no, like it's not that 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 approach does not work. 
Yeah. And so I'm sure you probably have very similar conversations, right, Leanne, with your clients as far as the lipid biology. I'm sure you get the same exact questions. They get their cholesterol panels back and they're like, oh my gosh, look at this. My LDL is so much higher. So yeah. So how do you typically handle those conversations, Leanne, if you don't mind me asking? Oh yeah. So I guess it depends on who I'm working with. A lot of the times the clients that I've been working with have been on a ketogenic diet for anywhere between three months to a couple of years. And so a lot of the times they'll have, um, like 23 and me or something completed with their genes. So oftentimes the first step is to use the raw data of that 23 and me and upload it to something like found my fitness. I can't remember her name. Uh, Kirkpatrick. Uh, She has a raw data upload. Yeah. And you can kind of look at, okay, well, do you have any of the APOE uh, expressions there that we need to be concerned about as it relates to lipid metabolism? Um, So that's the first bit. I would say probably maybe 10, perhaps 20% of my clients can't do saturated fat. Um, we'll look at their panel and I'll be like, mm, this looks like a saturated fat issue. And by moving over to more of a ketogenic uh, Mediterranean diet, we see a lot of benefit there. So it's not a huge portion of people. But again, you have to understand that the people coming to me are like, I can't do this by myself. I've listened to every podcast. <laughs> like, I know quite a bit, but like, it's still not working. And then I I do get a lot of clients, especially over the last six months or so with more chronic issues like mold, parasites, heavy metals. And so a lot of the time, especially with LDL, their LDL will be, I don't know, 150, 160-ish. And then we start thinking, well, um, is there a thyroid issue? Because thyroid hormones are used to to clear cholesterol. And so if we if we don't have enough thyroid hormones, LDL can increase. Of course, there's the metabolic syndrome aspect, but um, gut permeability can also increase LDL. And so a lot of the clients that I'm working with have either parasites, dysbiosis, metals, and LDL is actually being created to uh, as an antimicrobial agent. So yeah, it's super fun, uh, the whole cholesterol panel. And I think even just starting simply at cholesterol is a calculation of LDL plus HDL plus 20% of triglycerides. And so it really gives this focus. What I try to help people understand is though cholesterol is an important marker. Is there a marker in your profile that's way wackadoodle crazy? Like, is it triglycerides? Is it HDL or is it LDL? And where does our focus need to be firstly? Because I think we can hyper-focus on the cholesterol piece. And if my clients are willing to do an NMR profile, you know, where we have the APOA or the HDLP, like you were talking about the APOB or the LDLP, even understanding that if you do a really hard workout, like I have a couple clients who are really, really into working out and do, do like big CrossFit workouts. And they're like, yeah, I did a CrossFit work workout and then I did my blood labs and their LDLP is like <laughs> really high. And I'm like, you can't like, you can't do that <laughs> before. Um, so that's kind of how I approach it. What about yourself? Yeah. And you know, you had commented about the percentage of people who are kind of hyper responders with the LDL with that saturated fat. And I do um, see that as well. So I'll have members or patients that I'm like, all right, if we're seeing a hyper response with that LDL cholesterol, then where are we on the saturated fat realm? Let's definitely mitigate that. Let's do far more of the omega-3s and olive oil and avocado. And and I will tell you, we we promote day one within well-being a Mediterranean approach to low carb and ketogenic nutrition. I always say, you know, this is not a bacon and dairy fest. Um, maybe it's a garnish, you know, it's a sprinkle here, but I, I'm okay, of course, with saturated fat and grass fed beef, but I, I want that to also be within moderation. But what happens as you probably know too, Leanne, that some people just kind of gravitate towards more of the bacon and more of the cheese than the more of the saturated yeah, yeah. fats. And so when I see those LDL numbers and if they do go up, you know, quite significantly, typically if we mitigate the saturated fat, um, it does improve. And then just like you, we got to look at the pieces of the puzzle. So we, we look at every individual number. What are those triglycerides, right? What is that HDL? What's the non-HDL cholesterol? And then if we have a lipoprotein fractionation, that's another piece of the puzzle looking at the LDL particle size and pattern. So, you know, I, I, what I'm trying to help my patients understand is there's a net effect. So we know that 
cardiovascular disease, the nidus of cardiovascular disease is really injury to the endothelial lining of our blood vessels. So, and what does that injury stem from? That stems from high glucose levels, hypertension, high blood pressure, smoking, chronic stress, visceral fat, like the fat in and around our organ systems that release cytokines like interleukin-6 and tumor necrosis factor. So that's where heart disease first starts, injury to the endothelial lining. Then what happens next is if you have that apolipoprotein B, which is the surface protein on the LDL, VLDL, IDL lipoprotein particles, that apolipoprotein B then gets into that kind of fissured, cracked endothelial lining and then allows cholesterol to be delivered, which then is that nidus for macrophages, fatty streak, plaque, atherosclerosis. But the only way you're going to have the development of atherosclerosis and ApoB to get into that vessel lining is if you have injury to the vessel itself. So if I have a patient or a member that I'm seeing their triglycerides come dropping from, you know, 300 to 87. So now we went from high to optimal. Okay. My glucose, if your glucose and A1C went from, you know, high borderline to optimal, we've lowered your blood pressure, right? You're now getting sleep. You're getting exercise. We're losing that visceral fat. If all that is happening, but yet we have an increase in LDL cholesterol in the process, guess what? The net effect is going to be prevention. So we have to look at every individual number, every outcome before we hyper-focus on that LDL cholesterol, which is what you know most physicians unfortunately do because that's what we were taught and all that fun stuff. But we're going to see an increase in LDL for a number of people. But if the net effect is overall very preventative, then I'm okay with that. But like you, Leanne, too, we always have to focus on that thyroid function too, because if that TSH is elevated, we're going to see the LDL kind of coincide as well. So once again, you got to look at multiple angles and look under the hood in multiple ways to really determine what is the root cause of this and and what should we be doing to, to really prevent disease. I have patients a lot that, you know, follow low carb ketogenic, their triglycerides, HDL, um, APO, excuse me, you know, their overall, the very low risk factors as far as uh, diabetes and prediabetes. And they'll have an LDL cholesterol and even an APOB that's really elevated. And I'll do coronary calcium scores on them. And they'll have a calcium score of zero, yet have an LDL of 200. So that also tells me LDL cholesterol is by no means the sole factor in developing cardiovascular disease. This person has zero calcium in their coronary arteries. They're 65 years old. You know, they do have optimal triglycerides and HDL and glucose, yet this LDL is extraordinarily high. Most doctors would say you got to go on a statin tomorrow or today um, in order to reduce your risk for heart disease. But I think, you know, this has once again just been kind of my own exploration and research and with practicing medicine that we got to look at a lot more than a few isolated numbers. That is long end. <laughs> yes. I'm like, yes. <laughs> like just yes. And it's, you know, you being a doctor, that's so fabulous. You know, I've I've often toyed around with the idea of going to medical school so I can say the things you say. <laughs> Yes, completely. And I, I love the breakdown of the injury to the vessel itself. If you guys were listening and you're having a hard time with all the letters and acronyms and things, how I remember it is ApoB is like a bumblebee and it can stimulate into things, you know, think of like a bee piercing into stuff. And that's always been helpful for me to remember the difference between the ApoA and the ApoB. But um, I think something that you really said, Allison, was uh, the root cause of all of this. Like that in and of itself, that thinking of like, wait a minute, let's back up, ask the questions, understand each of the markers individually, and then together as a big picture. And what is the root cause of all of this? And I have a couple of clients in mind, I hope they're listening today, where I mean, you look at each individual marker, the picture itself, the, you know, the painting, I think of the body putting together a painting when we're looking at the blood work or a song, like what song is the body singing to us right now? And we, and we pick up on that song and we understand what is the root cause of all of this? I mean, nine times out of 10, it's not 
a need for statins. And it's, uh, I'm just, I'm so thankful you're doing the work that you're doing because it really is required. And to ask that question, what is the root cause of all of this? Oh, it'll be a great day if, if all practitioners everywhere ask this question. Thanks, Leanne. Well, you're doing a phenomenal job. I mean, you don't need to be a physician to, to have, you know, the impact that you're having and to be obviously you're extraordinarily educated. So that's all that matters is that you are educated and you're leading and, and teaching and, and bringing people to better health. And that's what I think is so cool is like, you know, you are doing what you're doing. I'm doing what I'm doing. And then we got Dom doing what he's doing. We have all of these different walks of life and, and we are doing it in a different capacity, but all of our collective purpose and mission here is really just to improve the health span and lifespan for humans. Um, no greater purpose and no reason, you know, than to be on planet earth. So I love that. Yeah, that's so true. Yes. Thanks for that encouragement. And for those that love what you're talking about and want to be a part of this, can you tell us a little bit about um, whether or not your program is open, what that looks like, the sorts of people that might be interested in something like this, how long the program is, what's required of them? Give us all those details. So we have a virtual program and we have a live class. So if you're in Tampa Bay, I would love to see you live. I teach the classes on Tuesday evenings here in, in Tampa, but most people are doing it virtually, right? Because people are not in Tampa. So it's a 12-week program and um, it's a very multidisciplinary approach to complete wellness. And as I mentioned, it's the science of behavior change to adopt low carb and ketogenic nutrition. It's learning that self-compassion and stress resiliency, fitness, sleep, relationships, the whole gamut. And it's 12 weeks. And if you do it virtually, once a week is a new session and it's me teaching the sessions. We have an action plan every week and we promote like incremental change because that is one of the mechanisms to sustain behaviors long-term. And I do have a lot of members who do the program who've done low carbon ketogenic for years. And so, but what they walk away with is sometimes people will say to me, oh, wow, I thought I was doing it right, but there's a better way to do it. Also just the science and learning the education behind um, the biochemistry behind ketosis and appreciating, you know, things like mTOR and HDAC and, and just really those who are nerdy like me and you, Leanne, it's such a great empowering tool to say, this is why I want to do this. Once again, not because I'm chasing a number on the scale, but I want to understand how this is going to impact my body and prevent disease. So, and we have very specific macronutrient goals that we walk our members through to obtain. We, it's very scientific and we can do a low carb um, approach, or we can do a ketogenic approach. And then, you know, we also talk about, you know, after the 12 weeks, what are we going to do lifelong? Because I do believe, and, and this is a whole nother subject, Leanne, that we are not meant to stay in ketosis indefinitely unless we are treating certain disease processes. And even that, like for instance, seizure disorders, utilizing a ketogenic diet, oftentimes that can just like reset the uh, like neurometabolic disease process that a seizure disorder is. And we don't even have to stay in ketosis indefinitely. So we teach our members how to then incrementally increase carbohydrates to a point of a threshold that they can sustain their success, also incorporate some carbohydrate cycling, because I do feel very strongly that the human body is meant to have periods of, you know, fasting and periods of maybe feasting, but in a, in a healthy way. I feel very strongly that the human body is always trying to achieve homeostasis, but as long, but we don't want to stay there too long. <laughs> we want to constantly be challenging and triggering kind of different hormonal pathways, just like, you know, insulin has its counter-regulatory hormone glucagon. If we lower insulin levels too low for too long, your body's like, whoa, what's happening? Let me ignite glucagon. And so it kicks us out of ketosis because of the effects of glucagon. So part of it too is just like I said, teaching people how to find that place of ketosis so we can utilize it as a metabolic therapy, but then how to live life in a space, in a rhythm that we're finding just a healthy way to be. And sometimes we enter in ketosis, sometimes we do low carb. And we always say that once you're a part of the tribe, you're always a part of the tribe. So you're really, once you do the 12 week program, you're always connected with us on Facebook. You're always connected with us on ongoing programming. So we have a newsletter that comes out every month and we're constantly sharing the research. And, and just a side note too, 
the science of behavior change, really, the research shows that being a part of a group, being a part of a community, being connected to other humans is probably the most important factor in order to obtain and, and sustain new behavior changes, especially when we're trying to overcome like addictions, which let's face it, you know, food is probably the most commonly addicted substance we have in our country today. So it's um, multifaceted, multidisciplinary. We try to hit um, health and wellness in all angles. And it is my passion, my team's passion. So yes, you can do it virtually. You can do it live and you can register on our website, www.yourwellbeingtribe.com. Wow. I'm so sorry, Leanne. I really like rambled on that one. (laughs) You're so good. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. I remember when I was writing the keto diet, like full circle to the beginning of our conversation, I felt like I was going to get attacked. And I did. I There was a lot of attacking because I was saying stuff like people shouldn't be in ketosis for forever and a Mediterranean diet might be best for most and you should be cycling and talking about homeostasis. And I remember when the book published and I remember the first stage I went on talking about cycling a ketogenic diet and people were actually booing me. Like, booing me on the stage. It was horrible. And I just, it is such an encouragement and so wonderful to hear brilliant minds like yourself be say these truths that it's just so incredibly wonderful. And I'm so, so thankful that you're doing the work that you're doing. And we will for sure include a, um, the, URL in the show notes. And I know that you were offering our listeners a $50 discount to participate in the virtual well-being program. So we'll include all those details in the show notes. And Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thanks, Leanne. Yeah, no, it was so fun. And um, yeah, like I said, I just think what you're doing is just wonderful. And just getting the word out there and giving this opportunity is fantastic. I hope you really enjoyed episode 369 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Again, my name is Leanne Vogel. We can connect over on Instagram is probably the easiest way, at Leanne Vogel. And if you had questions about today's episode, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact to ask me. Also, you can follow up on previous episodes and show notes from today's show by going to ketodietpodcast.com. Speaking of show notes, if you want to connect with Dr. Allison, you can go to your well-being tribe.com and check that out. And I will see you next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Bye! Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.